This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 207 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. We love an English winter. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Equestrian Collections offers the whole universe of shopping at your fingertips at a price you can afford at equestriancollections.com. Also, Kentucky Performance Products, scientifically proven supplements for your horse. You can find links to all of our sponsors at stablescoop.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. We bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. I am Glenn the Geek. And I'm Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Who gets a cold in the summer? Colds should not be allowed in the summer. Who has a cold? Me. I'm just saying. I don't. You have a cold? Yes. And it's, you shouldn't get one in the summer. It's just more miserable in the summer. Just saying. And it's a cold cold, not like allergies? It's a cold cold. Oh, oh. does Jen have it? Not yet, but I'll be sure to give it to her. (laughs) Not yet. You're evil. (laughs) You're evil. We have a great show planned for today. We're going to talk a little bit, of course, about what else. Everybody's talking about the Olympics, right? Yes, Uh, yes. But you've got a great guest to talk about it with. I do have a great guest. We're going to have Emma Winter of Wayfarer Eventing on with us. For those longtime Sable Scoop listeners, you'll remember that we had Emma on uh, about a year or so ago. Um, and we were talking to her about what it's like to be a multitasking horsewoman. Uh, she and her husband, uh, Olympic rider Mike Winter, have been running Wayfarer, event- Wayfarer Eventing for a number of years. Um, and they originally started out in Noonan, Georgia. And um, we were talking to Emma about being a wife, a mother, a uh, trainer, a competitor, and um, being married to an Olympian. And so we've just sort of caught up with her. They had some big changes in their lives. Uh, They moved from the U.S. back to the U.K., where Emma is from. And um, for those of you who don't know about Emma and Mike Winter, well, Emma in particular... Emma Winter has been an active equestrian athlete for many years, with a long history of representing Great Britain, both in the United Kingdom and in the United States. Among her many accomplishments include top finishes representing Britain at both Rolex and at Burley in the UK. She is definitely an international three-day competitor of the highest level. While based in England um, several years ago, Emma competed her talented advanced horse, Mahogany Chief, as well as bringing along many talented young horses. Her most significant work while in England was finding horses for U.S.-based riders, serving as an agent and advisor to many of those buyers. Emma and her husband, Canadian Olympic eventer Mike Winter, relocated to the U.K. after many years operating Wayfarer Eventing in Noonan, Georgia. Now back on her home turf, Emma and Mike have been focusing on raising their two daughters as well as training and competing up-and-coming event horses. And But first, we're going to go to a guest right after our, our uh sponsor here equestrian collections product of the week we're going to go talk to terry levine who is doing a project called get that horse out of the kitchen yes 
You heard it right. So we're going to find out what exactly that is and what good cause they're doing it for in just a minute after this word from Equestrian Collections. Glenda Geek here, and I am with Debbie from Equestrian Collections with the Equestrian Collections product of the week. And actually, this week, it's a lot of products. <laughs> yes. I just wanted all of our customers and listeners to know that here at Equestrian Collections, we have a section on our website called the Outlet Store. That's a place where we put items that are they're up to 30 to 40% off, some of them all the way up to 70% off. And the way this works is if there, if we have a vendor who has an item that say is sold out in a certain style or color, and so we won't be able to get any more of those, but we have some in stock and we need to go ahead and move them out to make room for new things, we put them on our outlet store and we reduce the price. So that's where you can get things that you can't always get anywhere else. We also, if we have returns that maybe have a little scuff on them or something like that that we don't want to resell as new, we can put them in the outlet store, cut the price, and you can get a great deal on that. To get to that, you can go to our homepage, click on Sales and Clearance, and then there's a little tab there that says Outlet Store. One thing to remember, these things are returnable. They're, they're, they're returnable, but only for store credit. So if you buy from the outlet store, you can return it, but what you will get is a store credit, and then we, you can use that store credit to buy other things on our site. So it's really a great place to go and find things that um, at such great prices, all top of the line, all regular vendor stuff just maybe has been here or is sold out or something like that. So come visit our outlet store and see what you can find. Over 35 pages of stuff, everybody, <laughs> right now on the outlet store. That's a lot of items at equestriancollections.com. Well, now we have up uh, Terry Levine, who is going to talk to us about a project they have going, and they actually want you to contribute to it, and it's called Get That Horse Out of the Kitchen. <laughs> Find out what that is right now. Well, hi, Terry. Thank you for coming on the Stable Scoop Show. What caught my attention when I first saw this post on Facebook was the name, and it's the reason I had to have you on, and it was Get That Horse Out of the Kitchen. What the heck is Get That Horse Out of the Kitchen? <laughs> Well, it it was inspired by my daughter. Uh, with the economy as tough as it is, and here she is at 17, I think she's been riding 11 years now, she had commented to me that, gee, a lot of kids don't even get to ride because it's expensive, and it would be nice if we could help them. So that uh, kind of got our wheels turning, and we uh, tossed around ideas for a couple weeks on how we might help get more kids to ride or introduce them to riding through equestrian summer camps. And I was um, interested in a cookbook format, so we uh, talked about that, but we felt the real exciting part of the book could be equestrian stories. So, And we've heard equestrians talk about, ooh, one time the, my horse went into the kitchen and my mom was so mad, you know, so we thought, let's capture some short stories from equestrians, um, their favorite recipe that they probably bring to horse shows or rodeos or barbecues and everyone loves, and a couple of their choice photos from either their youth or their current writing or even their family, their uh, grandparent that might have been a mentor and um, 
and they have a great photo of them. So that is the the book now. Uh, get that horse out of the kitchen, and it's treasured stories and recipes from equestrians. Huh. Well, that's an interesting idea. So so now is this pub? It's actually a published a hard hardcover book or. No, we're actually we're in the collection phase. So okay. we launched in June, and we launched through Facebook and Twitter, uh, and our website. And we're collecting the stories now. We had <sighs> hoped to start with Oregon and then go uh, across the United States with books specific to each state. Um, but right now, a lot several of the recipes we're getting that are so much fun are from other states or even outside the country. So we may end up tweaking that strategy a little bit because um, we we don't want to disappoint people. They are sending in some really nice stuff. Mm. And, you know, you have to kind of stay a little bit flexible like that with your plan because, you know, our horses are unpredictable. We're unpredictable. This I, I have a feeling this will evolve a little bit. As you yeah. go through the collection phase, because you, you never know what little gems of, of stories that you're going to come upon. Or maybe you do know. And that's why you're putting a book together. <laughs> you know, it is evolving. We find um, some people just love to relay their story. And some people, um, it scares them to write, to actually write something down. They, they don't know how to go about it. And so we suggest, well, if you don't want to do a story, then how about sending in a couple recipes instead or... or um, uh, share your favorite quote, <laughs> whatever inspires you. Well, that's terrific. I think it's a great, uh, great cause too. Uh, the, tell us about the Kids Can Ride program. Well, so that's where the helping the young people um, learn to ride or get introduced to the equestrian um, sport. The proceeds from the book sale when we published those proceeds would be going to um, a nonprofit that is structured to support the equestrian sport. And they would give out scholarships to um, applicants and for our summer camp or riding school. And um, also we also have an application for um, facilities, riding schools and camps to apply to participate in the program. So we we have our screening process for applicants and a screening process for the facilities that they would um, receive the the students. I bet you there's a ton of kids in this country uh, that that get their first exposure and love of horses at camp of some sort. That's how I got well, mine. Is it? Yeah. Is it really? Yes. It's oh true. yeah. With camp, we have a a wonderful story that was sent in um, from an Oregon lady, and it was about Camp Tamarack, which many people here know. It's um, in central Oregon. It's a wonderful camp on a lake, and it's an equestrian camp. And my daughter had attended there for several years. And this lady sent in her story of how she fell in love with each horse that she rode every summer. And then one summer, her parents surprised her with buying the horse. Um, And I I started crying when I read the story. It was so cute. It was just wonderful. So to have that shared with us so that we can incorporate it into the book and so many parents of equestrian daughters would really relate to it It it's very cute oh gosh i mean i'm i'm thinking too right now glenn of like jamie's story about jet you know um just all these we all have these really inspiring 
tear provoking stories. We have funny ones like sissies hunting the wrong horse and all that stuff. But you know, I just, I feel like there's a story around every corner. I mean, this could be really big and really long lived. We had, we, we had a farm that was back a long lane and was really set back by itself. First one I met Jennifer at actually. And, and we had this like hundred year old pony that used to be loose so we left him loose in the yard and stuff. He just had the full run of the place because he never went anywhere. And we a little tiny pony, probably 12 hands. And every morning we'd get up, we'd eat our breakfast, and you'd open the back door, and the pony's nose would be right there at the back door, <laughs> sticking his nose in the back door. And a couple times that pony came in the house. So, you know, everybody has those stories of those, those little times and little, little uh, and the animals. And some of those stories I can see you associate with food. You know, you associate some of them with food. Um, I that's right you, up your alley, Glenn. Yeah, I know. I, well, <laughs> that's you know, the perfect marriage between horse being a horse husband and being a horse husband, I guess. It's, you know, you know and if you, no matter which you know, no matter which discipline you do, whether you're hunting or whether you're doing eventing or whatever you're doing, you you everybody has their favorite tailgating foods at, or lunch foods or whatever that they bring along. Everybody has that special something that you look forward to, and and so and so brings it every time. You know what I mean? It's, uh, That's true. That's yeah. why the the recipe sharing is so much fun because we do relate to. Um, we know that equestrians' recipes are really favorites of everyone, and that they're shared very often throughout. And they're the usually year. pretty simple because we're not very good cooks in a whole. So. <laughs> no, we're not. Oh, and I'm the, probably one of the worst out there. <laughs> so the kids could ride program. Uh, we really think it has a lot of potential to helping um, introduce the sport to, to children. Also, what we found is uh, high school equestrian teams. Many of those that want to participate on those teams can't afford to because although they're high school teams, there's still costs involved with it, such as the trailering or the, uh, the initial fees to be on the team. And we're hoping that this program is so successful that we can evolve it to helping at a high school level, too, so that they can be in a team sport. Now, you said this was your daughter's idea that started it? Yes, it is. She's 17 and uh, off to being a senior in high school and thinking a lot about life and experiences and what she's going to do with hers and She's been involved in uh, some nonprofit work, uh, rehabilitating a, a troubled youth center up in Jeez. Washington, up in uh, British Columbia. And I think coming back this summer from that trip, she she started thinking about, well, how do we get more kids riding? So she she helps with the marketing. I help with the marketing, I should say, because I'm a marketing professional. But she does a lot of the outreach sending out emails, uh, contacting people to try to get recipes in, uh, some of the Facebook work. It, it keeps us busy. Well, how proud you must be. Yeah. I, I really am. You know, she's a terrific <laughs> kid, and it's, it's been a wonderful 11 years experience with her, uh, with the horses. Uh, I'm not a rider, but I feel I've been in a barn every day for 11 years. I've been on the board of directors for a historic site, 75-year-old barn in our area, and uh, I'm on an advisory board for the Oregon horse country. So here I don't ride, but it sure has become part of my life. Well, where can people submit their stories? What's the website again? 
The website is ecqstoriesandrecipes.org. So it's ecqstoriesandrecipes.org if you want to get your story and beautiful website, by the way. Um, oh, thank you. You can find it there. And, uh, well, good luck with it. And will you let us know when the book actually comes out? I definitely will. And for everyone, it's free to contribute your stories, and there's an easy online form. Terrific. Thank you very much, Terry. And now, catching up with Emma Winter. Welcome back to Stable Scoop, Emma. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. It's great to be back. Now, it's been, I know it's been at least a year, maybe more, that we have we last had you on Stable Scoop. And um, for those listeners who are not familiar with, uh, with Emma, what we did last time, what we talked about was, what, what I thought was actually unique about Emma is her ability to juggle so many parts of being a horsewoman, being a mother, being a competitor, being a business owner, being a wife, and, and doing all of those things so well. And so I wanted to catch up. There have been quite a few changes um, for you and Mike and the kids and for Wayfarer eventing, um, not the least of which was moving from the United States back to the U.K. So w- has life calmed down for you at all? Uh, no. <laughs> Actually, it's gotten slightly more hectic since you moved. You know, our idea of coming back, well, me coming back, but all of us moving back to England was to take things a little bit quieter, you know, less horses, less students, all of that kind of business, and just really focus on our riding and raising the children. Well, it's kind of gradually escalated. <laughs> and now we, um, we're we back at the yard that we were originally at, which is really lovely. Um, and we have 20 boxes, and I think we have about 18 horses in or 17 horses in at the moment. So it's pretty close to what it was when we lived in Georgia. Um but not as many students. Um, that's the kind of difference in our business here to the business that was in the States. We had lots of students there. And, you know, all varieties from, you know, lower level riders that were just starting eventing and, and, you know, juniors all the way up through to advanced riders and stuff. But now we just have a very small group of people that we teach. They keep their horses with us and um, they go to competitions with us and, and and that's really it. Um, but we do have a lot of horses, horses in training and sales horses of our own that we have purchased and we're producing and with the kind of idea that we'll sell them on. So that's the way the business has changed. But no, it's not calmed down at all. <laughs> so you're it's doing a lot, more, a lot more riding and training then these days? Um, I, I wouldn't say a lot more riding. We have less horses of uh, that we are competing compared to what we had in the States. Um, but we're still doing, you know, plenty of riding. We just have um, what they call over here liveries, which in the States would be called borders, and we have about six of them. Well, actually, no, it's about four of them, but they each have a couple of horses. And so they keep their horses with us, and they get lessons every week. And if they can't come, we'll ride or compete their horses or whatever. So in that way, it's a little bit different. That's not something that we really had in the States. We had some working students, but mostly all the horses were there for us to compete or compete to sell. Um, whereas we just have, Mike has five, and I think I have three horses um, that we have that live with us, that we either own or own part of, that are there, you know, to get sold you um, know, or we, to compete. Emma, yeah. this is so funny. When we first started doing these shows, it took me a, a minute or two the first time we spoke to our first uh, person from Great Britain to figure out what a yard, and, and I could not understand why they were putting horses in boxes. I just couldn't <laughs> yeah. figure that out. I was like, 
Why are they putting the horses in boxes? Yeah, your garden. I know. (laughs) The terminology is is so different from here to there. And um, I was talking to Kyle Carter yesterday, actually, after, you know, the Olympics and everything. And um, and I had to keep saying, oh, yeah, this one goes novice. Oh, sorry. I mean, preliminary, you know, (laughs) because over here, even the levels are named differently at certain, you know, certain things. So, a yard is a stable yard or, you know, a barn. We still call it the barn, but it's used as called the yard over here. And then, um, yeah, different different things, different things. And boxes, that's their, their stalls, you know. Yes. <laughs> if you call it a stall over here, they look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> what, what's that? What's that? <laughs> well, now, um, Helena, did you, you, got to watch the, you got to watch the eventing, right, in the Olympics? Yes, yes. And uh, did you get to watch it at least at home there, Emma? Yes, I didn't get to go, unfortunately. Tickets were, you know, lottery system, and um, we didn't get to go, um, which is unfortunate, but I think we had such... The BBC does such an amazing job with the coverage that it was on. Obviously, you know, it, it being the Lond- in London and everything, there was um, a, a maybe better coverage than usual, but it was phenomenal. I sat down and I said, okay, today I am watching the games on Monday. I'm not doing anything else. So nobody bothered me. And we sat for six hours, I think it was, you know, glued with square eyes at the end and watched as as much as we could, which was really, it was brilliant. It was really exciting to see. It's exciting to see because it feels like it's so close, but also see, you know, people that you know, whether they did well or not so well, you know, it, it still it's it's really exciting to see that caliber of horse and rider, you know, all competing against each other was is phenomenal. Now, how really do you exciting. and do you and Mike sort of like elbow each other and be like, oh, look at that! I can't believe she did that, or uh, you know, do you do you have that commentary that shared like conversation while you're watching? I mean, these you mean like this is like cricket? yeah, exactly. Because I mean, you have here you have an, an Olympian and an Olympic level rider. The two of you are so top level to be watching. Then these are your peers. These are people that you have ridden and competed with, and then to see them, I, does it just blurt out of your mouth when you're watching this? Sometimes you're a bit surprised by some stuff, and sometimes you're in awe. You know, you're like, oh, what how amazing are they or how amazing is that horse or how effortless did that look or you know and you and you see people make mistakes that you know anything can happen and people make mistakes and horses make mistakes and that's just the name of the game isn't it so when things happen it's unfortunate sometimes you think oh did they not see that coming but you never know if you've been in their situation you might have made the same mistake so it's kind of hard. I mean, we're all like that because we're all kind of competitive, you know, so we can be sideline critics. And, and but, but on the whole, I mean, they're there and we're not. So to, to ride at that level under that kind of pressure for your country is, is a pretty hard thing to do, I, I, I would have to say. I'm not having ever done it, but Mike having done it, you know, he says it's just the pressure is unbelievable. They you do know, say that right they do say that they feel more pressure riding uh, for for the team than they do for the individual, just because you you have that you you do feel the pressure of the whole country on you. Yeah, and letting down all of your teammates as well. Like you, I imagine you probably, you know, I know it's hard like to be the drop score or something like that. That's got to be hard if you feel like your performance wasn't good enough that it really 
counted in a way, I imagine. But, I mean, they're all there, and to watch them was unbelievable. We had um, Ronald Zabala staying with us for the month. He came from Germany leading up to get ready to go to the Games, and he's been great. And obviously we were watching him, and he did a fantastic job. You know, he's he's a businessman that bought this horse and, and has gotten there and, and done it. And it was amazing watching him, you know, go around. And, and, and some of our, you know, our friends that we would consider that were there, and some of them did great, and some of them had, didn't have their best performance, and so that's, that's hard, you know. Well, you you must be a mighty proud subject of the Queen right now uh, with uh, the with uh, coming in and getting the silver medal over there. Yeah, it's exciting. They were unbelievable. I mean, it, it would have really, I think, they would have really loved to have, have won the gold medal. But the Germans just outclassed everybody. You know, they were unreal. They did not put a foot wrong. And I think our riders, they performed amazingly. And I mean, especially, I, I think I have a soft spot for Tina Cook and her horse because I just think that horse is class beyond class. And she is mm. such a cool customer. She rode beautifully. I mean, she really, really is something to be reckoned with. And Mary as well, like she's, you know, she's 51 and she's still out there at the top of her game. She's quite incredible. And, and the other thing I find about them, you know, listening to them and seeing them at the events, like I was at an event, a one star last season with Mary and she was stable next to me and she's there on her own, no groom, grooming for herself at the event. They're so humble. Mm. You know, there's no um, airs with them. They're just normal people. And you see them at the event and they say, hi, how are you? And, you know, they're just, really down to earth and William we see quite a lot and Mike you know talks to them and he's they're just normal you know they're not there's no pretense with them which is is so nice to see people that do the same thing as you and and you know eventing has always been kind of classed a little bit as an elitist sport because of the money involved in it and everything but they're they're just really nice and they're really down to earth and when you see them on on a regular basis at the competitions you they lose that kind of like aura of, oh, my God, it's so-and-so, because they're just there doing their job just like everybody else is, you know? You know, you know what's funny about that, though, Emma, and I think Kalina would agree with this, in the United States, that perception's completely different. Eventing is the down-to-earth sport here. Uh, yeah. where, where jumping and dressage is, is you know, yeah. are, are the upper-crust sports, and, and eventing seems to be the sport that we look at as the down-to-earth just every day you know, you've got, yeah. you're just all trying to stay alive, which makes <laughs> yeah. it very humbling. But it, and you yeah. know what, too, that you have to be a really good all around horse person to be successful in the eventing world. And I think for me, I think really good horse person goes hand in hand with having enough, having some humility and being humble yeah. enough to, like you said, we're, we're, we all have good rides and bad rides, but I think in, yeah. at least from stateside looking at eventing, um, I think it's hard to be critical of somebody else, but to be sitting, you know, watching the television and really, you know, gritting your teeth and leaning to the left and, you know, and really yeah, rooting. Walking when you see him back off a little bit. And, and, um, it, it's, there's an, it, I, I just feel more inspired, you know, watching yes. from whether it's, the, you know, they had a really good ride or they had a challenging ride. You just, you feel so connected to them. Yeah, yeah. Even you, if you're 2,000 miles away. Inspiring. It's really inspiring to watch them and it makes you kind of strive to be better. 
I think when you see that level of rider going and competing and you know it, it, it you have to really want it to get it at the top level it's yeah. there's no path you know you don't just it's not like that I mean it really you have to really be able to want to get to the other side to to make it happen and um and yeah you have to be able to take the highs and the lows so it it does make you you know really realize that you're not immortal when you do this that you know you can be at the top of it one minute and at the bottom the next and (laughs) and that it's kind of grounding, I think. Which speaking, is speaking of which, we got, had an opportunity on Wednesday morning on Horses in the Morning to speak with Holly Bennett and Jamal, her husband. And I, you probably have met Holly along the way. Yeah, and really sweet. She took a fall in, in the cross country uh, in London. <laughs> and we spoke to her from her hospital bed. She's doing well, and she, um, she's anxious to get back. She, she fractured uh, her hip. Um, in that um, fall, and also took some uh, took a whack to the head. But, you yeah, know, I heard that. She said that uh, you know she she would be not able to talk to us had it not been for the point two air vests. And boy, did we see those going off left and right all over the cross country course. Yeah, they have, <laughs> they have saved a lot of people. As an inventor, you've got to be you know that that's a piece of protection that you're thankful you have at this point. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, because the error, the margin for error is is so small as you move up the levels. You know, you have to kind of make sure that not only do you have all the right kit, like you know, it our sports always evolving, and but you have to make sure also that you know you do all your groundwork too, as far as you're training the horses and all the rest of it, and making sure that you're horse knows what it's doing when it goes out there and you know what you're doing you have all this right skill set but yeah definitely you know pieces of equipment like that are you know they it, it, it's a great thing so uh, yeah her, her her horse gin and juice seemed to finish the uh entire course by himself then by too, at a dead gallop. <laughs> oh no she was now, a mare that one <laughs> you i see and that's the thing is you you see these little um like i think People who are in the sport see things that other, obviously, that other people don't see. And then as you go up through the levels, you have a detail to your vision that, you know, someone at the lower levels might not see. And you'll say, oh, man, (laughs) what a mare, you know, or, you know, stuff like that. Um, now, well, before you go you, on, Helena, the Western riders have a saying that just epitomizes what, what Emma just said. It's you can fake the silver, you can fake the tail, but you cannot fake the riding. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. that's true. That's, that's right. No fake tails. Yep, exactly. <laughs> no fake riding. <laughs> no fake riding and inventing. We go out there with our rat tails <laughs> and our poops. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Now, Emma, you've had, um, you and Mike have spent some time focusing on raising your two daughters who are, yeah. are fairly young. And, um, you know, that's a really important thing. That was a big decision for you guys to focus on your family. Um, is, how's that going? Is it keeping you busy? I know you said you've, it started out quiet once you got back to the UK, but things have, um, I know that, that, um, one of your daughters competes, doesn't she? Yes, that's Amelia. She's, um, she just turned 11 in May, um, and she's been uh, just finished junior school, so she was there for three years at junior school, and she's she loves it. She loves 
living here. She has a great pony that is just unbelievable. And um, she's about to go to senior school, but she does a lot with Pony Club because our Pony Club is uh, it's very good um, and it's very local to us. And we're fortunate now that being where we're located, we have a facility with a cross-country course and a show jumping course and a big arena and all kinds of stuff. So it's great for us to produce the horses. But also for Amelia, like, she has friends come over and ride and they go out and they jump around the cross-country and they spend the night. And some of the Pony Club has used our facility for training, for team training and stuff. So she um, she's hugely involved in that. And she just did her first um, her first year at senior camp. So they go, like, for a week to camp, Pony Club camp, and it was her first time going to senior camp, and she won her little one-day event that they had there. So, And she's on all, like, the teams. You know, she just did the area eventing team and the dressers team and the show jumping team, and she has a blast with it, and she, like I say, she has the most unbelievable pony. It's it's just, it jumps for fun, and, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's phenomenal, and I hope, I just don't want her to grow too much because I want the pony. She's had it two years now. I'd like it to do another two years because it's 13 three, so, and it just, I mean, it's just, it has, like, springs on its feet. It's just phenomenal over a fence, and, but, and she's just amazing, and fortunately, she's better than Mike and I, so. Of course she <laughs> is. She'll be, um, hopefully, I mean, she desperately wants to, to ride and do things, but she does, you know, she's very, I wouldn't say she's very academic, but she's very interested in school. She loves her friends. She loves her school. She swims. She is a cross-country runner for her school. She also does district running for Gloucestershire, which is our county, and she plays um, goalie in our town under 13s girls football team okay so, so let's say i'm gonna say that the apple does not fall far from the mommy and daddy tree <laughs> well i don't do any other sport <laughs> no but, but that that um that she's it sounds like she's got a lot of energy and a lot of love yeah. for for moving and interacting and it just sounds like she's a kid who's got that passion in her and it sounds like mom yeah. and dad are encouraging that well-roundedness which which will you know we cross our fingers and we hope that will add to the longevity of her her horsemanship. Yes. I mean, she's, she's so good at camp. Um, they had to do like a, well, for the dressage team, they had the dressage competition on Wednesday that we had to take the team to off site. She platted seven ponies to go to that. And then on the Friday morning before they had their one day event and their, um, uh, they had like prize giving and stuff. She platted another five so she platted ponies of all the, and she's 11, she was the youngest there by far, and she platted all these ponies for different people. She's such a good sport, and she, like, is always there whether they do well or, or, or not so well. She's right there at the end of the cross-country or the end of the show jumping round. Brilliant, well done, that was great. Doesn't matter you got eliminated, you still rode on. Let's go get an ice cream. <laughs> she's very sweet like that, and... Um, She's a good girl and she helps around the stables and she's just a real cheerleader like that. She's really good. So, and she's quite excited because she, Lily is kind of interested, but not really. And she said, oh, that's good because if Lily's really not interested in riding, do you think then the business can be mine when I grow up? And I <gasps> <laughs> oh, I love her. her. Oh, I love her. Oh, that's funny. She's so funny. Now, what... Uh... <laughs> 
What what do you see as the difference now? You lived, you know, uh, this is Mike's first adventure at living in England, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so... Yeah, he, well, so, he, spent, he spent like a summer here when he was getting ready for Burley in 2000. But, right, but yeah, he was training and doing his thing back then. Now he's actually yeah. living there and, and living the lifestyle. Now, what do you see as the biggest advantages to living in England for 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 you guys and for Mike as a competitor, what are what are the big advantages for you in eventing? Well, the biggest advantages I think is the access to the competitions. I mean, we travel. I think the most we've traveled is three hours, and that was last year. I went to the the championship, like the national kind of championships for age classes, and that was about three hours away or three and a half. But the access to the big competitions and those big tracks. Even at the lower levels, is is it's it's such it's so much greater. You know, they're right there. I mean, we're literally I think ten miles from Gatcombe, and and they have two or three competitions a year, and and also the access to horses. You know, purchasing and selling horses. Um, it, there are so many horses here, and the quality in our minds is is so great and you know we can go like mike's going to ireland tomorrow to look for two horses he could go there and look at you know 20 horses in a day and that doesn't happen in america you know it's really hard to not in one day <laughs> no exactly it's even ever you know so you have to drive all around or fly um but it's i think that is is a great thing for us and the thing, the difference over here from in the States, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, is like you can go and cross country school at like event facilities in America. You know, we used to be able to just go to school at Popper Place and, and Pine Top and, and places like that. And, and that's great. It's great because there's facilities and they're available for people in Chat Hills. But over here, that doesn't happen at all. There's maybe one or two places that do that. So when you go to a competition, you're going not knowing what they've changed, what they've got on the course. I mean, obviously the lay of the land on the whole is generally the same year after year, but you don't know what you're going to get. And so it it, it, it kind of ups your game a little bit. And also the, the, the technicality of the courses over here, right from the very lowest level, which would be, well, they have 80, but 90 is what we would start our horses at, which would be intro in America. They have to jump a corner. They have to jump. There's no options. You know, they have to jump into water and out of water and over through a coffin and, mm. and a skinny with no options. And so starting at the horses, jumping things like that at that level makes it very easy transition up through the levels to the highest level. The jumps get bigger and wider and obviously more technical. But generally, the horses learn that they hold their line and they jump straight and they have to be bold and they have to be brave, you know, and you don't get to wear a watch. So you have to learn to gallop at a good pace. Mm. So it is very, it's very different in that respect. Also you have to, all three phases are on the grass pretty much. I'd say 85% of the time you jump, you do your dressage on the grass, you do your show jumping on the grass and obviously you go cross country on the grass. So in that respect, it's also very different. Not always the best because you don't get the best footing um, than jumping on the surface, but everything is up to height. The courses are shorter here because the land 
and the times are shorter. The land is not as, you know, they don't have so much land as they do in the States to run a, a five-minute training level course, you know, whereas over here you go novice, uh, well, that's preliminary, sorry, and um, it'll be four and a half minutes. You know, yeah. like preliminary, and that's right. pretty, uh, pretty short, but pretty quick. And you still have, we'll have twenty, you know, twenty-two jumping efforts and stuff like that. But the, uh, we have a girl that's just come over here as well from the states, and she's Imogen Delavis, and she's a young rider, and she brought two horses over, and she came to Aston La Walls a couple of weeks ago, and she said, "I can't believe like how fast everybody goes at intermediate <laughs> and advanced, and the vertical faces of the jumps." There's much more vertical faces and things come up a lot quicker here than they do. You don't have that galloping, big open galloping tracks I, you, as and, much. And that was pretty obvious when you watched uh, the Olympic track. I mean, it was, yeah. uh, it, you know, it, 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 it definitely was that way. But now I have the most important question for you. Does Mike now have an English accent? No, no, he doesn't, and neither does Amelia. What do you think he is, Madonna? His accent doesn't yeah. change every time he moves. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. He loves living here. I think that's the impression I get. He misses his friends, and so do I. But he, he's really happy. He doesn't have an ulcer anymore. <laughs> he, um, you know, which is self-inflicted, of course, but he um, he loved it. <laughs> no help he from his wife, of course. Horses. I'm just throwing that in. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no. He, um, he, he has some really lovely horses, and he's building up um, a, a group of owners. He has three horses, which hopefully will be um, prospective horses for Rio. Um, one, unfortunately, is a six-year-old, and that belongs to us, and that's for sale. But the other two are seven-year-olds, and they... He's really excited about those. The class of them is just, they call, he calls them his secret weapons. <laughs> now, would he, he'll still ride, uh, I assume his citizenship is still uh, United States at this point. Canada, Canada. Oh, Canada. Canada. Yeah, I'm sorry, Canada. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. The poor Canada. Canadians yeah. had a rough time of it. Oh, wow. God, didn't they? I felt very bad, oh, except for Jessica, who I was very proud of. We've been following Jessica for years since we started the Horse Radio Network. She's been coming on with us and... We sort of had her picked as our wig rider and everything, and she just uh, she just continues to go out there and do stuff, and her horse is incredible, exponential, just neat. Yeah, yeah, she did a really good job. She's a very gritty rider, isn't she? And she really stepped up to the plate and, and produced, which is good. Yep. Because unfortunately it wasn't a day for the others, which is a shame. Yeah. You know, but um, but no, it's it's good. And, and you know, it's a rebuilding time for them now, I think, the Canadians. So hopefully they'll kind of go away and think about what happened and, and, and come back a bit stronger. And hopefully they'll come up with a new team manager that will, will help them, guide them that way and get, you know, a bit of a program going again because David's done such a good job and and really try and help those riders that are, you know, trying to get to those levels, really get to those levels and get owners interested and, you know, and hopefully it'd be nice to see them do more of a European circuit. You know, some of the Americans come over and spend some time over here. And and it'd be nice to see if the Canadians could do that a little bit. You know, get their owners really psyched about um, just getting some more international coverage and, and experience and exposure, really. That's, that's the main thing. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we moved back here, even though we didn't really come with any advanced courses. It's just being around those riders all the time and competing against them all the time and seeing the standard 
you know, it just makes you want to get better and better all the time. Well, hopefully Mike will be uh, helping the Canadian team out then in, in a couple of years in Rio. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> you never know, but at the moment he's quite excited about these horses and, and hopefully they'll everything will fall into place and, you know, he'll be able to do that for them. That would be his goal. Uh, and if if that's the case, then Helene and I are going to have to come down because uh, I, I wouldn't mind spending a couple of days on the beaches in Rio uh, sightseeing. So <laughs> I know, um... me too. I haven't been to either. He went to Athens and I didn't get to go because I don't know what I was doing, but I was doing something. And um, and I didn't. And he, when he went to Beijing, I wasn't able to do that. I think I was pregnant with Lily then. But I know I haven't been to either the Olympic Games. And, and to be completely honest, like, I thought it was best I stayed out of his way because he gets a little bit highly strong, you know, when he's at a competition <laughs> like that. A lot of pressure. And so I thought, mm, probably not best for me to do that. All right, that. you hang with Helena and I, and we'll let him do his thing, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'll hang with you guys at the beach. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We'll, go, we'll, go we'll watch beach. it on their oh, phones. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just rock up to watch him go. <laughs> oh, that well, sounds you good. Know- I, Emma, we're we're just running out of time here. I, I wish that yeah, we could no, on no. and on. And it's a shame that you're an ocean away because I bet we could sit down over a cup of tea and re- and keep this thing going and going. Yeah, and going. I know. It's been great. It's been great catching up with you guys. So it's really nice to have a chat and, you know, and, and kind of catch up. So it's good. And it's nice to hear um, that you can... Um, you know, that, that one's horse career and horse life can be, even at the highest level, such as you and Mike, um, it can evolve, it can change, you can massage it to fit what's right for you at any given time. And uh, so I think it's really important for our listeners to hear that, um, you know, you can go from one area of your career to another and it's just as fulfilling. And um, and then, like you said, who knows what's going to happen in the future? You just have to be willing to roll with whatever presents itself at the time. And sometimes... Um, you know, something will present itself and you just have to say, close your eyes and jump and say, let's, let's just yeah, go with it. And that's what we did. Yeah. Come yeah. in because that was a big leap of faith. And we just said, if we're not going to do it now, we never will. So let's just do it. And, and we did, and it's worked out great. And, and, you know, we still come back to the States and teach clinics and see our friends and keep in contact really close with a lot of people. Um, but you know, you never lose those friends, do you? Friends are there forever. And, and it's sad that we're far away from each other, but, you know, there's phone and there's internet and all the rest of it, and there's planes. <laughs> so yes. we get to see everybody and keep in contact. And, you know, it's like you say, it's just a, a different stage in our lives. And lots of people visit us and we visit them. So it's great. It's been a, it's been a great time for us. We're really happy here. So hopefully that yeah. continues and, you know, hopefully Michael will get on track to go to Rio. That would be ideal. <laughs> Well, well, you've got fans at the Horse Radio Network, that's for sure. And um, oh, we you. will put, we're going to put links up to the Wayfarer eventing website um, on our own website so you can learn all about uh, Mike and Emma Winter and their business Wayfarer eventing. Emma, thank you so much. We're going to have to catch up with you in another year and, and see what's going yes. on. Well, thank you both very much. I really appreciate you um, calling me and having a chat. Thanks to Emma, and now it is time for our Tech and Habits segment of the week.
Hi, everyone. Glenn the Geek here. Kentucky Performance Products has become a favorite of many listeners of the Horse Radio Network. They have a product that we want you to consider called Contribute. Take a listen to Episode 14 of the Tack and Habit Radio Show, and you will hear a complete discussion on this product with Delia from Kentucky Performance Products. Contribute is the omega-3 fatty acid supplement that is so important to your horse's well-being. Contribute helps maintain soundness and longevity by protecting joints from damaging inflammation and sustains a strong immune response in horses of all ages. Learn all about omega-3 and 6 fatty acids and why they are so important by listening in at TackAndHabit.com, episode 14, or go to KPPUSA.com for more information. That's KPPUSA.com. Now you picked, we both picked a kind of a product this week, didn't we? We did. Um, Well, I have been using mine religiously for the last eight weeks. and um, So is my wife, by the way. (laughs) And when your wife is the one who introduced me to this item to begin with. And this was one of those things where she said, I said, Jen, you know, we're going out hunting. Should I bring it? And she said her famous line ever, it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And I'll tell you. I have never, ever left it behind when I thought I might need it. <laughs> and and that it is, is a fly whisk. I it's know. a fly whisk. You know, a lot of people don't, in, in the horse world, Jennifer uses hers every day because the mosquitoes here. And uh, we'll describe it here in a second. But a lot of people that she talks to, neighbors here that have horses, have, no idea, have never seen a fly whisk before. It is the most amazing, simple invention ever, especially for horse people. And you know what? Even for non-horse people, I would walk through the woods with this thing. Uh, Essentially what it is, a fly whisk is probably – I don't even say probably. It's one of the most essential pieces of equipment in my barn, especially in the summertime. Uh, With a leather-wrapped handle that's not unlike a bat or a crop, a wooden shaft, and a long horsehair tail, the fly whisk is used just like a horse's tail to swat flies and biting insects away. So a lot of us go out with, and you carry it just like you would a crop, right? Um, And it does, most of them have a little wrist loop so that, you know, you don't have to constantly grab it or you don't have to worry about losing it or dropping it. Um, You know, a lot of us put ear bonnets on our horses, fly sprays and other insect repelling gadgets only to work for so long and of course in a limited capacity. But if you add a fly whisk to your arsenal, your horse will thank you. Honestly, he will come right out and just kiss you because <laughs> it's just it's so easy to a you can you know you can just swish it around his head or his hiney or they you get can used to that after under a his while. belly. <laughs> First couple times you're taking this fly whisk and smacking their face with it. Um, you don't really smack their face, but you know what I mean. No, you don't. You uh, swish it. You swish it. Uh, it takes some them to some getting used to, but then after a while they just they like it because it they realize it's helping them. Yeah, don't get in the saddle and then suddenly like yeah. whack your head no, over the your horse no, over the head with no. this this whisk. Obviously, introduce him to it. It yeah. will take you won't be in the saddle long if you do that. It'll take seconds <laughs> for him to because it's just like a horse's tail, so it's a sensation that is very natural to him or her. And it can um, because you're not carrying a crop with you because you can't carry both. Um, it can't act as a crop when you need it to. Too. It is. It's it's more. Like, it's not very long, so it, it'll act more like a bat. Right. But um, I definitely don't carry a crop. You know, there are times where I say, "Oh, gee, I wish I had a crop, or I wish I had a bat." But this thing can be anything that you need it to be, <laughs> as long as it's keeping bugs off your horse's neck. And I don't know about you guys, but the mosquitoes here have just been terrible. Now I see in Massachusetts. 
they've been doing a lot of spraying. I see a lot of news reports they've been spraying because uh, all over the country right now we're finding mosquitoes with EEE, and uh, they're just really concerned about that. Yes, and I think people's tolerance for um, for the mosquitoes or, or their tolerance for the risk of Tripoli is down to zero. And so the towns and the um, you know the state agencies are starting to hear them and and spray. They're just getting it done. Just spray. Um, we don't have, thankfully, we don't have a huge mosquito population here in, uh, at least not in Little Compton. That's because they all came fairly, south for the summer. Well, to they're, they're, we're fairly they're close us. to the ocean, so we do get a nice breeze, but. Um, you know, obviously, it's mosquitoes come with lots of standing water and, and even high humidity levels. But what we have this year, which is out of control, are deer flies. Oh, deer really? flies in the worst. Nothing is – I mean, we've been here three years now, and I have not seen a deer fly population this bad. I went to go turn my horses out in the backfield last week, and it was like being in a bad horror movie. It was like <laughs> being attacked by a swarm of bugs with human brains. They were so smart and so evil and so relentless. I I wanted to just I wanted to just lay down and die. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and they bite and then we have these huge horse flies. I mean a lot of you guys know, you know how big horse flies can get. They're like B52 bombers. But the fly whisk is really helpful for those because they land, stick their little biting mandibles in your horse's neck and the fly whisk just pew, nails them i love it it's an <laughs> instrument of death yes but i love it yeah my, i know that jennifer could not ride around uh, the neighborhood here without her fly whisk right now she just couldn't do it now where can you pick them up and how much are they you can pick them up at just about any um tack shop or online tack retailer you know, the big catalog companies usually all carry them. Just Google Fly Whisk, W-H-I-S-K. Um, I, mine is, I like the natural materials, so I have a leather-wrapped handle with a wooden shaft and real horse hair. Um, but they do make synthetic ones as well and are a little bit less. They typically retail for about $50, $55. Um, but it's, it is so worth the small investment. You'll have it forever. And... Um, yeah, and we'll put links to uh, – we'll put some photos up on StableScoop.com so you can see exactly what it looks like. And, you know, the funny thing is is it for some people, you may feel a little um, awkward holding it and riding riding with it at first. But really in just one to two rides, you will become very adept at riding with it without it interfering with your hands or use of your aids at all. Terrific. And I had something come across my, uh, my email this morning because I'm a volunteer for the Red Cross. They have a new app out that you might want to take a look at, especially if you're in hurricane country like we are down here in Florida. This app is a hurricane app, and it's um, if you go to the App Store, whether you're at the iPhone or an Android phone, either one, they have it for both, and just search for Hurricane by American Red Cross. Hurricane by American Red Cross is the name of the app. And what this app will do is it actually will give you the radar, it'll give you the track, It'll keep you informed. It'll it'll give you alerts that they that you're in an you know if you come into a hurricane warning. Um, it is it also gives you information on what to do, where to go, emergency contacts. It's a very good application, as you would ex- expect the American Red Cross to do. Um, but it is terrific, and uh, I downloaded it onto my phone and my iPod both, and it seems to work fine on both of those. So. 
Just search for um, a hurricane by American Red Cross. If you live along the coast anywhere, it would be advisable to do that. You never know when you're going to need this, baby. And we're coming into hurricane season, so uh, time to take a look. You should, too, because you're actually in hurricane territory up where you are now. We are indeed, yeah. Hurricanes are no joke up here. You had a couple last year that you had to uh, almost evacuate for. We did, which turned out to be duds, like nothing ever. The hurricane that wasn't is what we called it. Um, well, actually, no, I have to say, Irene, um, Irene did do some beach damage, but we had no wind, no, no wind damage, just some tides. But, um, you know what? You never know. Every year is different. You always have to be ready. And even if it, if it's predicted, but it doesn't actually hit, you can't beat the exercise. Right. Exactly. Well, and you know, next time it just might. So, you know, the time you don't leave is the time it's going to. Exactly. Exactly. Well, very good. So that's what we have for you this week. We'll have more great stuff again next week. Don't forget all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. I want to encourage you to hop on over and listen to the eventing radio show this week as they had a a wrap-up show of the uh, Olympics. And you can find Samantha over there. John, her co-host, was actually the announcer on Cross Country Day over at Greenwich, uh, and we could hear him on the TV. I could hear, I could hear him <laughs> in the background announcing at the park there. And also, I wanted you inc- uh, to encourage you to, to listen to the Dressage Radio Show this week, which is already out. And they did a preview. They had uh, they had a very interesting guest who's a coach, a trainer, and part of the High Performance Committee here in the U- United States Equestrian Team. And she did a complete rundown of who she thinks is going to do what and what countries will do well at Dressage, which starts started Thursday. So we uh, we hope you enjoy that as well. Uh, and, you know, we'll do a wrap-up on Dressage next week on the Dressage Radio Show. But now it's time to switch to Dressage. And uh, start watching that, Helena. And I'll let you report on that. I'll watch a couple of tests, and I'll let you tell me about that. You know, I'm going to be watching what uh, Colbert reports (laughs) on dressage. (laughs) That's the most exciting dressage show I've ever seen. (laughs) That is true. It's very funny. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you, Helena. And we'll talk to everybody again next week. Enjoy the Olympics, everybody. Take care. Happy scooping.